This week on Notorious Scoundrels Podcast. Welcome to the Notorious Scoundrels Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Notorious Scoundrels Podcast. My name is David and as always I'm joined by Mike and Kyle. Say hello guys. What's going on? Hey. So there's Mike and Kyle, and uh, on today's show, we're going to talk about uh, some new units that just got released for the Rebel Alliance, Jyn Erso from the Rogue One movie and her companions, the Pathfinders. The Rebel Pathfinders and the awesome keywords they bring to the fore, not least among them, Infiltrate, which has kind of been making waves lately in terms of the, you know, how we're looking at competitive list building. Um, will Infiltrate and Recover the Supplies be the new key positions? We're going to try to answer that question today. We've also got some rules updates that uh, attended this release. And of course, we're going to talk a little bit about High Command. Um, what are we going to bring? What what does High Command look like for us? And if we have time, we'll continue doing our LVO analysis. But I think the bulk of the show is going to be spent on Jin and the Pathfinders and what they are going to do, uh, both for the Rebel Alliance and to their enemies. So uh, let's start off with Jin Urso, guys. Uh, let's talk about her command cards i think that's probably a great place for her to start always with a new commander probably her stats too that might be good to talk about and what they mean as well so um let me just pass it on to one of you guys to lead off here um yeah so jen is 130 points she's got um no ranged weapon on her card uh but she does have um a melee weapon which is just four blacks suppressive. That's her little baton thingy. Excuse me, Tanfa. Uh, it's her, Tanfa, it's her Okinawan martial arts that are borrowed for this movie, and we've been borrowing them for so many times in other movies. Yeah. Anyway, go on. Sorry. Um, but she does have a flippable gun that is free, uh, and there's only one slot for it. So basically, you, you take that gun, but it's um, the short-range side is range one to two, red, red, white, and the long-range side is one to three, uh, black black white and both sides have uh pierce one so that's pretty good um she also has sharpshooter one do we want to take a second to talk about reconfigure real quick sure so um reconfigure is essentially just a mechanic uh for two-sided cards and it lets you flip your card over when you recover um so like that uh that melee weapon not melee weapon that pistol has two sides um, the short range and the long range, and you can only have one side up at a time, but you can switch back and forth when you recover. And when you deploy, you start with uh, one of those two sides. So, um, it's pretty versatile. So you can wait to de- you can wait to deploy to pick which side it goes on, depending on what your opponent's done. Do you figure? Yeah. So, like, if you you know drop them near something. Uh, this goes for Pathfinders too. They also have a short long range weapon option. If you drop them near something and you're anticipating like a short range engagement, um, you know, you can do the short range side. Otherwise, you do the long range side. I actually think the, the Pathfinders probably want to be on the long range side most of the time anyway, because I don't know how much of an upgrade that short range one is. But um, at least with Jin, you know, you want to assess like when you drop her on the battlefield what her role is going to be and how far she's going to be from whatever it is that she's shooting. All um, kinds of crazy stuff you can do with her upgrades there in that department as well. You know, I think about recon intel as well. But anyway, we're kind of veering a little bit off course. Please go ahead and continue talking about what's on the card. <laughs> yeah, and I don't want to spend like so much time on the card details because um, yeah. it's already been covered extensively um, elsewhere. 
um, but she's, you know, like all rebel characters. Uh, <laughs> she has six health. Um, she's the only other commander besides Luke to have three courage, which is really good considering um, how Danger Sense works. Um, she's got surges in both directions, speed to move like most troopers, uh, white defense die. Um, so she's got quick thinking, which is gain a dodge and an aim token, which is pretty sweet for one action. Anytime you can get like a bonus action out of an action, that's always good. Um, Danger Sense 4, which is essentially uh, for every suppression token she has up to 4, she rolls an extra defense die. Makes her more durable, uh, considerably more durable than most other rebel units when she's loaded up on suppression. So it's like impervious, but for suppression tokens, essentially. Like every time you roll defense dice, you just add a die for every suppression. Yeah, up right. to 4. Um, so... Um, yeah, it actually makes her more durable in some cases like than if she even had a red defense die, depending on how many hits are getting pushed through and how many dice she's rolling. Yeah, so if she takes like if she's full up right, you, you shoot her, you get one hit through, she'll roll four defense die in response and maybe roll, you know, two saves, maybe get out of pierce one. Right. Something like that. Yep. Um she's still vulnerable, like Pathfinders are, and we'll talk about this to birth burst damage. Um you know, the first time you shoot her, unless you give her duck and cover, she's got zero suppression, and she's just as tough as any other white defense side rebel unit, which is to say not very tough. So, <laughs> uh, danger, danger sense also uh, shuts off in melee, which is super crucial to understand. I, I think yeah. that's the biggest deal, frankly, right. is yeah. if you get caught in melee with these danger sense units, you're gonna, it's you're in for a world of hurt. Yeah, she's got a melee weapon on her card, and she's got one on her sculpt, but I think, generally speaking, unless you take tenacity and you're in melee with, like, rebel troopers, you don't want to be in melee. Oh. Um, but her pistol's lack pretty good. Lack of pierce is a big deal. Yeah, lack of pierce is a huge deal against red dice saves. Um, she's got some, some decent command cards. I'm personally a little whelmed by them, except for the three pip, which is very good. Um, rebellious, uh, she gets charged, uh, and once around. When an enemy unit activates, she can either move or attack, um, which is pretty good. Uh, it's good for if you're doing it. There's a lot of things it's good for, but it means that she's better, generally speaking, at box grabbing than Pathfinders are, which we'll talk about. Um, but, it, you know, it's not like Son of Skywalker. She doesn't have a lightsaber, so um, her attack is, you know, it's okay. But double tapping with her is not quite the same as double tapping with someone like Luke. Yeah, if you put it side by side to, like you said, Luke or like a Han last first with Sorry About the Mess, it's pretty lackluster in the damage department. But it still has some neat effects. That free move is super useful, huh? Yeah, and that's why she's better at box grabbing is because um, a lot of the counters, which we'll get into to box grabbing, involves having a unit within range two of you know, the unit grabbing the box and she gets an extra move out of it, essentially. If you can you know, wait until after you grab the box to activate that. There was also a new um, card for the, I think it's the command slot, is that what you call it, where you put like esteemed leader and improvised orders? There's a new uh, card for there called strict orders, which uh, makes a suppression not a chance-based thing. If you have a face-up order token, you can just remove one instead of rolling dice. And that has no like range restriction either. So any unit with a face-up order token in your army, when it activates, it can choose either to just flat remove one suppression instead of rolling dice. 
I think the other notable thing about this is that the leader that it is on does not need to be the one giving the orders for this card to trigger. Yeah, it's any anytime you have a face-up, and also works with uplink as well. If you have an uplinked unit, oh look, they have a face-up order token. Now they can choose whether or not to roll or remove as necessary. And I mean, for units like Pathfinders and Jin, that's very crucial because... You know, not only do they want both actions, they're kind of riding the line when it comes to having suppression. I think that's especially true for Jen. Pathfinders, not so much because they have the Dauntless keyword, and we'll get to the Pathfinders in just a minute. But you know, I think it's worth mentioning at least the, you know, what what Dash just said. You don't have to issue orders from the commander with strict orders to get the benefit. It is an always on kind of thing as long as you have a face up order token with no range restriction. Yeah. Um, so as far as these command cards go, um, I mean, uh, Kyle said he was a little bit whelmed. Uh, I think I think they're for the most part pretty good. How do you feel about them, Dave? I'm feeling really good about them. So we talked a little bit about rebellious. And I'm sorry I veered off course a little bit there, <laughs> but um, uh, so there's a, a two pip here called Trust Goes Both Ways, which is kind of an interesting card. It gives Jen for one turn. She gets Inspire two. And whatever token or whatever uh, trooper unit she gets its face-up order token to uh, gains teamwork Jin Urso, which means that they share token they they share token spawns at range one to two. Yep. So if she takes quick thinking, they get a copy of quick thinking. If they get stuff, uh, she gets stuff. And um, there's kind of an interesting interaction here uh, that Kyle brought to my attention with teamwork and nimble on the same character. Um, so every time you spend a dodge token, you gain a dodge token, which means the teamwork would then process again as well. <laughs> so that's an interesting little tidbit there. If you have Jin being shot by um, an enemy and, and spending dodge tokens and gaining dodge tokens, you're spawning copies every time she gets shot on a different character. So that's kind of a fun little interaction there. In other words, if... Jin teamworks Luke. Don't shoot Jin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she uh, she kind of prints money in that sense. Yep. She just prints dodge tokens. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 kind of funny because you um, it's actually Chris up from New York. I think that brought this up on the Discord. Um, like you, when you think of nimble, you think of it as just you kind of shortcut the gain a dodge token thing, and you're just like, well, I have one dodge co token, I get to just keep it. Um, but it, you're literally you know spending a dodge token and then gaining a dodge token. So yeah. If, if you use this on, um, you know, another, if you use teamwork on another character with Nimble, like Leia or Sabine, uh, you know, anytime they shoot either one of them, the other person is, is getting a dodge token. So um, if you want to get really real good. crazy, you can also teamwork a teamwork unit, <laughs> yeah. also known as Han Chewie. Yeah, that, that doesn't <laughs> seem like a super viable list generally, but <laughs> that would be really funny to, to get triple teamwork. Um, it's only for one turn, which is kind of unfortunate. Um, but definitely I could see this pairing well with Luke. I mean, an aim token and a dodge token on Luke from quick thinking is fantastic. It oh, makes for, sure. for a pretty bomb entry turn. Like when, like, you know, if you ever play Counter-Strike or any of these other first-person shooter games, they talk about getting an entry frag. And uh, it makes Luke's, you know, turn where he actually jumps into the combat really nice because he's got free total freedom. He's got an aim token and a dodge token. And he's totally free to do whatever double move he wants to do. You can even use it, you know, going out if he needs to recover. Um, teamwork can then fix his little um, action deficit when he tries to recover. So there's a lot of good stuff in there. 
Yeah, and my ally. When it comes to that combo, um, sorry. Just go going back to Luke, the Luke pairing. My ally works pretty well with uh, Jin and Luke also, just because obviously she has nimble. So, um, and she's much more likely than like Leia to be in a position um, where she's going to get shot a lot. So. That is certainly true. She's going to be out there. She's going to be in the fray a lot more than Leia, who's usually just you know, anchoring, kind of just holding back and issuing dodge tokens. And if something wanders too close, maybe she'll get a shot off. Um, the three pip is my favorite. This was my, when I was looking at these, this is my standout. Um, Jin gains low profile, um, and each unit that gets an order may gain one suppression token. Um and then during their activation, uh, they cannot become panicked or suppressed, the units that receive orders. Uh, and then they can remove a suppression token at the end of the activation. It's it's immune to being suppressed, which means you don't lose actions from suppression. Yep. Yeah, I mean... For that entire activation. You know, think of how many, like... Think of how many games where it's been the last turn or some other important objective turn, and you're like, I really need this unit to get two actions so it can double move into an intercept point or grab a box and run away or whatever. Um, and this card essentially guarantees that you can do that. It also, that's incredible. It also, um, jump starts her, uh, danger sense. Um, same goes for if you use this on pathfinders cause they get a suppression token at, you know, the beginning of the round. She also gains low profile, so she can just be in the middle of nowhere and still have heavy cover. Yeah, I mean, it makes yeah. her... Yeah, I, I think, you you know, the best use of this is just to make sure you're getting two actions, but um, certainly it makes her super tanky if she's in a vulnerable position all of a sudden. You know, you get the one suppression token from the card. If you're running duck and cover on her, you get a second one as soon as you get shot, so... Yeah, you're thinking, like, those, those like, ending scenes of, of Rogue One where she's, you know, struggling to get that antenna aligned and, you know, getting shot up by a TIE striker randomly. Yep. <laughs> you know? Similar kind of calls back, I think, to those scenes in Rogue One. Yeah. The other thing, nice thing about this card is that unlike her two pip, um, this one works with uplink. So, technically speaking, you could have like four or five units running around that are panic free. Yeah, you can just make your whole army panic free and suppressed free um, and suppression free. Th this is yeah. we all can agree that this is our best card by like a lot, right? Yeah, by a mile. Yep. This is her best card. No um, I, I personally have struggled, however, to use it just because I find a lot of times, at least when my rebels get shot, they don't seem to live. <laughs> and so <laughs> this sort of kind of implies that you have an army that's alive after taking a significant amount of damage. Um, but again, that's just me. And I've only had three games so far. And I think there's a lot more research that I have to do to make any sort of like broad statement on the subject but i'm starting to notice that complete the mission definitely wants an elite unit that makes use of suppression kind of like the pathfinders so i think with that said maybe we can roll into talking about her uh her companions here the pathfinders um so they're pretty awesome why don't you talk to us about them kyle yeah so uh, pathfinders i'm pretty stoked about these guys actually uh, not that I wasn't also stoked about Jin, but um, when we get to high command lists, I think these uh, these guys fit into the existing sort of like optimal rebel template a little more cleanly than Jin does. Um, you know, at least as far as like me thinking inside the box. But 
Yeah, yeah, and, and community, community. We're gonna put optimal in quotes here because yeah, right. <laughs> again, like before anybody comes back at us, <laughs> are you guys sure you don't want to take a hard stance on this? <laughs> are you sure? I, I think I think Legion is is young enough that um, you know, like for us to claim that we know what optimal is, obviously, like I don't think anyone truly knows what that is. Um, certainly, you know. We can have opinions on that, but and there were plenty of rebel lists that did not fit into the Luke Leia five Z six snipers, two snipers and up archetype that yep. were very highly rated and did go three and one. You know, so don't like don't think that if we say the words optimal, you know, if you're not running this, you're wrong. Like, please, Legion is a very young game. A- anyway, um, go ahead, Kyle, before I continue on this rabbit hole <laughs> okay um just to support your rabbit hole briefly there were there were four <laughs> fde turrets at lvo and three of them made the top cut so yeah and um, no one thought the fd <laughs> turret was any good going yeah. into lvo yep. like legitimately so um and one of those was kingsley and who are we to tell kingsley What's yeah i mean the guy's the guy's an ace <laughs> he's, he's an ace at legion he's really good yep. he's an institution all right yeah. um so pathfinders after that brief tangent um they come in, uh, the base unit is four for 68 points, so that adds up to 17 points per dude, which I think is the most expensive single rebel unit that's not a character, as far as like mini by mini is concerned. Yes. Uh, oh, Wookiees. Wookies. Sorry. Wookies yeah, Wookiees. Yeah. Wookies yeah, are 25 are still... points a piece. How much are commandos? Okay. Commandos are 60. So they're 15 per? They're 15 per, yeah. yeah. So they're two more points than commandos. Start to look cheap by comparison. <laughs> What's that, commandos? Oh yeah, when I think of when I think of commandos and wookies, yeah, I mean wookies um, do so much more, and they got three health a model. They're totally different unit, totally different function. Yeah, very different function. Um, so they do only have one health per dude. Uh, so they're just as tough as rebel troopers, at least before you trigger danger sense. Um, two courage, which is good. Uh, that's you know standard for spec ops units. Surge in both directions, speed to move like every other trooper. Um, They've got a range one to three rifle, two white dice. So this is actually the same rifle that's on the ATRT, uh, except obviously there's four of these guys and they don't cost, you know, fifty-five points for one. Um, so that's pretty good. That's that's basically fleet trooper firepower at range three. Um, they got a black die in melee, just like every other rebel infantry dude. Uh, Danger sense three, so that's the same as Jin. Uh, as they get more suppression, they get tankier. Against ranged attacks, um, Dauntless, this is a new keyword. Uh, after you rally, if you're suppressed but not panicked, you may gain a suppression token to perform a free move. So basically, this just gives you back your action that you lost to suppression as long as you make it your first action and as long as it's a move. Really um, good. It's very good. I uh, I kind of wish that it was flexible that you could do it second if you wanted to, but um, you know, I'll take getting... <laughs> essentially uh getting an action two actions while you're still suppressed especially because these guys want suppression tokens on them so right so that's a very um, crucial point small but crucial detail right that you have to move first yep yeah it, it does have to be act. your first action so it's uh it's still you know it means you can't like fire and fade so to speak using this um, yeah you, know, you can't fire and then like dive behind cover you have to since you have to move first um, but it's still super helpful, and it means you can double move if you got a box or something like that, even if you're suppressed. So um, it's it's really good. Um, as far as morale keywords go, I think I like Indomitable better. But uh, you know, 
it's still really good. Yeah, I'm a fan of Indomitable as well. But hey, this is really awesome. And the fact yeah. that you just have like, again, it's like, um, it's a strong thing because it kind of breaks the convention, right? The right. convention is if I've got two suppression tokens as a two courage unit, I'm suppressed. But this breaks the convention. Yep. Yeah, and then, I mean, I think Compel is the best, but yeah. Com- yeah, Compel is Dauntless, but on all your units. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, literally, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> so think of it that way. <laughs> Rebel scum. Yeah. Um, Dauntless sounds cooler, though. It sounds sure. more heroic. That's fine. That's I don't true. care. I don't care how it sounds. I care how it plays. <laughs> the power of credit compels you. Yeah. Right? Quite literally. Uh <laughs> Oh man, now I'm gonna picture Krennic like flicking water at stormtroopers. That leader death troopers head does a three sixty. I don't know. Uh, all right. Anyway. Um, yeah. So and then infiltrate, which is the money keyword, uh, same as Jin. You may deploy anywhere beyond range three of all enemy units. Um, and we did get this was in the ROG update also. If there are no enemy units on the table, you can deploy anywhere. Um, I don't know why you'd want to like drop in your deployment or your opponent's deployment zone, but you could. Yeah, here's here's a big don't. Uh, don't deploy in your opponent's deployment zone because yeah. they'll just put they'll just put Vader in melee with you, and then you'll be very sad. So yeah, just... I, let's before we take a hard line on this, I have some things to say later in the cast about infiltrate deployment. Yeah, I, we can. I think we're going to talk about infiltrate for like thirty minutes, probably. <laughs> yeah, that'll probably be the bulk of the show as tags the tactical discussion apart from. Because um, you know. I don't think what you guys are saying is nearly as black and white as you're making it sound. Probably not, but no, hey. I agree. It's not. <laughs> it's rules of rules of thumb, right? Like you do have to be careful about just feeding these guys to your opponent, though. For sure. Oh yeah, like with any uh, with any high cost unit, I, I think I mentioned to someone like anytime I see my Wookiees getting shot. I just see dollar signs flying towards my opponent's side of the board. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, there those there go those points. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's talk about their upgrades real quick. Um, they have, like Jin, they have a flippable rifle. They've got um, the long range. It's six points. Uh, the long range version is just one white die, but it's range four. And the short range version is a is a red die, but it's range one to two. Um. So isn't that only like only like an eighth better than their normal pistol? Yeah, the short range guns? one is kind of a side grade because you're cutting your crit chance in half, um, you're cutting your ceiling in half, and you're only slightly increasing your average hits. I don't, um, I don't even think it's a side grade. I think it's downgrade, frankly. I mean, it, you know, it is like a more reliable dice pool. So if you're in a situation where you just you're shooting a target in the open and you really need to land some hits, I could see it. Um, but yeah, it doesn't. Certainly, you're not paying six points for the the short range version. No. Um, that said, I think the long range version is worth six points. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Um, especially because both heavy upgrades are range four, so you're you're essentially supplementing uh, how and distance dice pool with you know four white dice at a four. Or are they supplementing yeah. our dice pool because they have great dice? Well, generally right. speaking. Yeah. Um, so Pow is 22 points. He's one red, one white at range four, which is good. Um, and you get Inspire one. And he's your unit leader, so he's the last guy to die. Yeah, so uh, This guy is a hell of a bargain for three points more than the Rebel Officer and gives you an extra red dice. Yeah, he costs oh, yeah. the same as a Z6. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's great. He's also a range four gun, Like, yeah, which I, is great. 
I think he's I think he's great value. I mean, he's so a normal Pathfinder is 17, Pow is 22, so you're paying five points for an extra red die at range four and inspire one. That seems awesome to me. Let, let's put a rebel officer with the cost of a Z6 and the range of a DLT that's just a tiny bit worse. Like, it's not that much worse, is it? I mean, sort of. It's a red down to a white, so it's like a few faces worse. But hey, it's like a DLT plus an officer in one. Yeah, but it's not really like a DLT because you've got four other white dice packing it up. Like, yeah, yeah know, it's not it's, shooting alone. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a very solid dice pool for sniper hunting, which we'll talk about in infiltrate uses. Um, and then Biston is uh, even more on the firepower side. He's thirty two points, so he's ten more points. Uh, but and he's exhaustible, which is what want. Useless, um, terrible. Uh, no, it's what? it's he's. I think this is the first source of ion. That's good. That, that I'm willing to say is probably good. Yeah. It's got Ion and range Ion attached to range four with impact one in a dice pool that's probably crit laden anyway. Yeah, I mean this is like if you want an ion weapon, so it's four whites and a black, that is an awesome dice pool. Yeah, that's crazy good. And it, um, it's what is it? Eight, eight white white and a black. Yeah, uh, at range four. So, that's right. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and if you fire it at range three, it's twelve white and a black. Yeah. yeah. So that's a that's a uh, that's a hefty dice pool. Um, against anything, not even against armor, like just you're throwing a lot of dice, and they all surge. So, um, you know, it, uh, this is Biston is the first like exhaust weapon that I would consider taking. Yeah. So the one caveat I have with this card is that your pathfinders are generally going to be suppressed. Yep. After the first turn or after the second turn, and Dauntless doesn't let you recover. So uh, uh, the odds that you fire this gun more than twice in a game seem low. Now, maybe that's all you need. Mm-hmm. But I think it could still be worth it if that's the case. For sure, for sure. Uh, it's unclear to me. Yeah, it's 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 a little bit uh, like counterproductive in that um, Pathfinders want suppression to defend themselves, but obviously you need two actions to recover. You know, like the ideal thing for a Biston squad to be doing is is recover, attack, recover, attack, recover, attack. Uh, and if you're getting s- stacked up on suppression, that you're not going to be able to do that. Um, personally, I think that Pow and Biston create very different roles for your Pathfinder squad. If you're running Pow, you're running it as like a, you know, um, objective grabbing, harassing unit. And if you're running Bistan, you're running it as a purifier support unit. Yes. The explosion behind him on the card is exactly what you should be trying to do with it. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's the ATST whose leg dissolved in a flash of blue light. Yes. And every time you, you tap this card, you have to make sure you're wearing that shit eating grin on his face. Oh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Especially when your dice come up with like four crits and a hit, and you're just like, impact one. Yep. <laughs> Here I go. Yeah, just practice mimicking that smile because it's great. Yeah. 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 Um, do we want to hit like other useful upgrades for Jin and Pathfinders? Uh, well, we talked about duck and cover, right? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, oh well, okay. Well, duck and cover is like the obvious choice because it charges your danger sense, and uh, you know, again, doesn't take doesn't take a rocket scientist to know this. <laughs> you know, just and you, you get to add it before you even roll defense dice too. So like, you're gonna get the benefit of duck and cover on top of being able to roll an extra die. 
because it's during the dodge and cover step before you actually roll defense dice. I think I think you have to tread very carefully with duck and cover. I there's no doubt in my mind that it is certainly good for these units. Um, but let's say you get shot like twice and you like duck and covered once and like somebody opens up on you with a suppressive weapon, you might be in some real hot water at that point. Um, I think yeah, you, you can quickly make it to panic range and, and have an issue. Yeah, I actually, I played last week a game against Jay where I was using Jin and I pulled off the box grab where she got the box on the first turn. Uh, but she took so much fire that she got up to nine suppression and she panicked with the box and dropped it. <laughs> you, didn't have, you didn't have your complete the mission handy to prevent that? No, I, I had used it earlier to prevent that the first time. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so it was like a multiple turn thing. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, so, okay, yeah. So it could be some dark magic, you know, that kind of goes out of control. Yeah. If if we if we have time to talk about list ideas, I think if you're definitely if you're running Jin, you want... Um, some sort of inspire in there just so that she doesn't get out of control. Um, Cause that totally happened to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I do think that duck and cover is, is important because it allows you to basically suppress up when you're attacked and then rally back down during your rally step. Like it makes the decision of, do I want to strip this suppression that I rallied off a little easier? Cause you know that you can get it back when you actually get shot. Mm-hmm. Um. um I, th- I personally think it's a mandatory upgrade on both Jin and Pathfinders. Okay. Unless maybe maybe unless you're running best in and you're just going to keep them, you know, at range four behind cover anyway. But I'll I'll say I'll just say one thing about duck and cover on Jin. Um, I really really like it on her. It is a bit luxury. It's also a disincentive for your opponent to shoot her, and a lot of her strength I think comes from being shot. And if your opponent's not shooting Jin, and instead just shooting your core units or shooting a better target, also known as a Luke, um, then I think she loses a lot of her value. Um, you know, Danger Sense Four, she's the tankiest Pathfinder essentially in that regard. And so, you know, DNC, it's great. It defends her health pool, but I mean, Stims might be better for the cost because you can choose just not to remove any suppression you take over the course of the game and. You know, like like uh, Kyle and, and Mike already mentioned. You know, if you're if you're overrunning on duck and cover, it's a dead upgrade. Yeah. Um, have either of you guys tried Jin with Han yet for Reckless Diversion? Have not yet. No. Seems good though. Yeah, I mean, she's she's the best target probably besides Han himself for Reckless Diversion that Rebels have. Yeah. Oh, and speaking of upgrades, you can use uh, HQ uplink on paths with Sorry About the Mess. Yeah. Yes, you can. So that is, um, while we're talking about Pathfinder upgrades, I think that's the second like mandatory upgrade for Pathfinders. For a variety of reasons. Uh, well, I, I don't I think you so need... as far as to say it's mandatory. Oh. Yeah. Like, like if you're really... going for the box grab build, yeah, you need the uplink. But yeah. if, it's, if you're just running them like a range for commando unit i think you probably you can go without it at least i mean the thing is like sort of like a fd with barrage generator if you're taking it with with biston and you're running them like range four fire support if you have the points when you recover you're recovering two cards at once instead of just one so yeah but again like it's going to come down to how many times you can recover biston yeah for sure um but yeah if you're doing a box grab even if you're doing like a um, 
trying to take out some snipers with a with the cheeky infiltrate deployment. You know, you put you drop coordinated bombardment on your first turn, and then you uplink them, and then you've got, you know, two threats that can go first. It also becomes a super luxury unit at that point if you're running Bissan and uplink and duck and cover. Like that's like a hundred and thirty something point unit at that point. It's very expensive. Yeah, hundred and twenty four. 124 okay so not not 130 but definitely not you know we're, we're entering hero territory like we're entering han han territory at that point a anyway um yeah so i mean uplink super useful and again like uh i think for peo strictly speaking it's good for box i'm grabbing. sorry i'm sorry know, let's, go let's go back let's go back okay peo Peo, pow, I don't know. It's pow. Peo, peo. <laughs> I, 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 I couldn't let that one go. Like, we, we have to catch that. It's pow. It's pow? <laughs> yes, it's pow. Like, like yeah. kung pow? Yes. Yeah, okay. like kung pow chicken. <laughs> yes. Like like that one movie that we'll never speak of again. Yeah, um, like whenever you roll his dice pool, you just say pow. Pow. <laughs> pow, pow, pow. Every, every, every time you roll like two crits at range four, pow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, All right. So I think the third upgrade that I think it might be mandatory, but it's clearly uh, maybe, uh, I don't know. Uh, you don't necessarily need it is recon intel. I think it's yeah. really good yes. on these guys because yes, you can... Is. So if you're not first, you can deploy at range three of your enemy and then move speed one closer um, if you need to. Yep. Yeah, and if you're if you're holding them for a late drop, which I think we'd recommend if you're not doing a box grab, it allows you to kind of sneak into that range three so that you're in, in weapon range on the first turn. I'm a big fan of the counter deploy strategy. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so I, I think that it might not be immediately apparent that recon intel is good on these guys, but you do get the scout move with infiltrate still. So, um, yep. and it still stacks with advanced positions. It does, and you get it with advanced positions as well. So it's got it's definitely got some applications, and for two points, it's pretty good. <laughs> for sure. All right, do you want to hit uh, infiltrate? Since we kind of yeah. That. So you've done, I know you've done a ton of research, Kyle, on the recover box grab. Yeah, so I've done research. I've done some testing. Um, I learned how not to do it in a game with LJ the other day. Yeah, there's been a <laughs> lot gotta, of theory you gotta fail, right? Of That's experimentation. Yep. Um, so let's talk about first just basically what this is. Um, it's winning a bid as blue player, uh, forcing recover. And then as your first deploy, you drop. Jin or the Pathfinder is right on top of the middle box and then attempt to run away with it. Um, Don't you know, try usually, this at home. It's a lot harder than it sounds, to be honest with you. I actually try it at home because you probably don't want to bring it to high command. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, Maybe you do. I don't know. <laughs> Time will tell. <laughs> so how, how you execute this differs uh, whether you're doing it with Jin or Pathfinders um, or both. I guess you could try it with both, but that would be pretty difficult because uh, your opponent gets a deployment in between. Um, you know, the theory is usually the first person to three boxes on recover wins. So, in, you know, you put your two safe boxes somewhere where you can grab them easily. And then if you can run away with that third box, then you're running away with the game, literally. Um, but it's a little harder in practice just because 
So if you are uh, forcing recover, that means that your opponent is is choosing the deployment zone, essentially. Um, and if they're any good, they're not going to pick Long March or Disarray. Uh, they're going to pick you know, one of the other three deployments that starts you 12 inches or closer to the middle box. Um, so it, it's worth just talking about distances real quick when we're talking about this. So on major offensive and battle lines, each deployment zone has a point that is deployable within 12 inches of the, of the center of the table, which is where the box goes. Um, on advanced positions, obviously, it's even closer because you can deploy at that you know 12-inch mark and then move an extra four inches. Um, also, when we talk about moves, uh, which we may do a lot during this box grab segment, um, the segments are uh, roughly, and I say roughly because they're slightly less than, but roughly four inches for speed one, six for speed two, and eight for speed three. Um, that goes for scout moves also, obviously. Um, anyway, so you're starting, you know, a little bit over 12 inches from your opponent's deployment zone, which means that you're starting a little bit more than 12 inches from their entire army. <laughs> um, rup, rup. You know, and the rest of your force is further back than that. So, you know, they're essentially unsupported until they can grab the box and run. So, you, you know, you need a way to go first. Um, whether that's uplink and playing like doing it with coordinated bombardment or another one pip, or you know Hans, uh, sorry about the mess. Obviously, is even better with an uplink because that's a zero. Pip. Notably, that's the only way to ensure you're going first. Right, unless uh, you're facing Palpatine. <laughs> it, in which oh, case, yeah. I mean, if you're facing Palpatine, you're just never don't even going try first. it against just Palpatine. To, you know. Yeah. Yeah, just don't try it against Palp. Like that's yeah, don't. So yeah, so the the hardest, uh, most reliable box grab counter is given to your anger. Um, you know, make the opponent activate something that's not the Pathfinders or Jin, and then hit him with like recon frags nose, um, which will probably wipe Pathfinders. Just make them I think cry. You, you probably run yep. into him with the Royal Guard, or you could do that too. Um, yeah, um, one or the other. I mean, throw recon. So the the soft the the soft counter to to this is recon intel generally speaking like there are lots of units you know you give them recon intel and they're closer to the middle um luke can if you combine recon with no time for sorrows obviously that's a little bit shy of eight inches so then he's four inches from the center um even if the pathfinders or Jin, well Jin is a little bit different because of rebellious which we can talk about but um if the Pathfinders, you know, actually like win initiative and run away with the box, then they're what six inches from the center. So no time plus recon puts Luke four inches from the center and uh, ten inches from the Pathfinders, right? Roughly. I think Did so. I right? Yes, I think so. So you can I'm do. Trying to check your math in my head as you talk. Yeah. <laughs> so he can do a speed one move towards the Pathfinders. So then that puts him roughly four inches from the Pathfinders. Um. Use force push, which you should have on Luke, to uh, push them four inches towards him. Cohere one of the pathfinders another four inches towards your line, so you're essentially like yanking them back eight inches. And at that point, you should have a pathfinder uh, that's two inches from the center on your side of the table. And then use Luke's second move to charge into them at that point. And then Luke and the massive pathfinders with the box 
is now two inches towards you on your side of the table. They just like rubber band halfway back across the the middle. Yep. To snap around Luke. Yeah, and you're getting a charge attack in there. So. Oh my goodness. Um. So yeah, Luke with recon intel. I know Stims is like the hotness on Luke, but I think I'm, you know, just to make sure I don't get um surprised by this, I think I'm probably gonna shift to recon intel. Just so that if someone tries a box grab, I can do that. For for two um, for I guess negative six points, um it's frankly a steal to be able to just kind of counter it. Yeah, yeah it's good insurance. Especially if your opponent is not aware of that counter and they think they're safe if they've run away six inches with their Pathfinders. They kind of just blunder into feeding you a Pathfinder unit. Um, you know, like I'd almost be tempted. Uh, obviously, you'd have to have some idea of your opponent's experience level to do this, but I'm, I would almost be tempted if my opponent was playing Pathfinders um, to let him have recover and then do that to them. <laughs> The mind games begin. Okay. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. oh, there's so many, there's so many mind games with Pathfinder. Yeah. You know, it's even. You know, what I was thinking as you mentioned, we mentioned Han. You know, I was thinking, what if you ran Han and Chewie with a Pathfinder unit? And the Pathfinder takes ranged fire. You just guardian. <laughs> you just guardian onto Chewie. Kind of exactly happened to me in my last game at LVO, where I had Chewbacca just screwing with everything I was trying to do by guardian. Well, you know, you can't guardian a lightsaber. That is true, but I'm just meant, you know, <laughs> generally speaking, yeah, you yeah. can't guardian a lightsaber. But yeah, I mean, I think yeah. there's 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 ways. There are ways. Anywho, anywho, um, so yeah, so Luke Recon No Time obviously presents a severe challenge. Um, the one that I thought of right off the top was Boba Fett. Yep. You know, and, and I saw I see how much Boba just murders commandos. Um, what's to stop him from just rocketing these folks? you know, off the bat, because he's got range three rocket with a carbine with Pierce, so... I, I think you know. if you, your opponent is playing Boba, you're probably playing Whipcord turn one. The the rocket is great, but I don't think it is likely to wipe the squad, and you need to wipe the squad. Um, and if you Whipcord them, they can pick up the box, but they're not going anywhere. Yeah, then they just get shot you got by the rest of your army. Nine other activations within range three of them, they'll probably die. You know. Um and not to mention the rest yep. of your army generally doesn't get to shoot on turn one. So yippee kaye, you know? Right. Yeah, there's like a free damage. Yeah, just be super careful with this box grab thing, because there's a very high chance that you're just feeding your opponent your pathfinders. <laughs> You, you um, could also not make the game about the center box if your opponent has very casually deployed their boxes. You can try to exploit that as well. But yeah, that's so, a whole other idea. Well, that's an interesting one. Um, I was actually talking with uh, Garn and Screwtape from the Discord about this one. Um, since you get to pick deployment, especially if you have a character like... I mean, obviously, if you're doing Palpatine, you just use Give to Your Anger anyway. But if you have a character like Vader... Um, you know, pick battle lines and then blue deploys their boxes first. So you're going to have an idea of like where they're going to put their safe boxes. Put your boxes on the same side as they're putting their quote unquote safe boxes. And then basically just turn it into intercept. Um, you know, because then you've got four boxes on one half of the battlefield. Put your two boxes over there too. And then just kind of like plow into his quote unquote safe boxes and don't even worry about the center. 
and just make it a straight up shooting match. Yep. That's yeah. one way to do it. Could work. Yep. Um, you can also do new ways to motivate them if you're playing Vader. You know, do that on Snows or Guard. And they'll be able to catch the Pathfinders if they have Recon also. It also uh, gets around rebelliousing with Jin if you use Jin as a box grab unit. Um, you know, Jin has that opportunity to, to grab and then move and then rebellious if something goes into range two of her. And in line of sight, she does the second move, but new ways to motivate them gets around that. Because it's all in one activation, and Rebellious triggers when that unit activates, and if they're out of range of her um, her standby thing, it's not going to work. I think generally with Jin, you can't really count on Rebellious triggering uh, the on on the box grab. Yeah, I think that's true. It's going to be very difficult to make that because yeah. either they're in range one to two, and you haven't picked up the box yet, in which case moving isn't very helpful, or you have picked up the box and you've moved and they're not within range one to two anymore. Um, right. So you have yeah. to peel with some other unit or guardian or do some other like second secondary tactic to make that work. Yeah. I mean, the thing that doesn't work against rebellious is the Luke thing that we mentioned earlier, you know, cause he's even after no time and recon, he's still got to be like in range two of his target to actually yank him back. Like we described. Yes. Yeah. So in that in that particular matchup, rebellious is is crucial there. Yep. But a lot of times you're not going to box grab with with your expensive commander because again, I think box grabbing with is way safer than box grabbing with pathfinders. Relatively speaking, yes. She's got she's got more health. She's got a higher level of danger sense. She can get a dodge token. She's got nimble. You know, she's got a lot of safety, but it's not quite as um, how do you say it? It's not quite as cheap. It's not cheap, and it's also not higher, not low risk necessarily. Because again, you know, you can just get crit to death, and danger sense can whiff, and oh, yeah, all kinds of sure. bad things can happen. Um, I just yeah. Also lost three command cards or two command cards because you died <laughs> from after just playing rebellious. It happens. So we've talked a lot about box grab counters do we want to talk about other uses of infiltrate and how to counter those oh there's also losing the bid <laughs> so we, oh, we yeah, skipped right. that yeah bidding bidding um, is a box grab counter too yeah just straight up just outbid your opponent yep but again like what lists are gonna run you know 14 point bids anymore other than crazy skews you know anyway that's a whole nother discussion but yeah just 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 outbid your opponent <laughs> yep but you were trying to say infiltrate counters. So, um, so yeah, it says here in the show notes, being mindful. Yeah, so your I, Sorry, go ahead. this is something I wanted to talk about. Um, I think when a lot of people drop their units right now, generally speaking, they tend to drop them in cl- like tight knit clumps where almost the bases are almost always close to touching. Um, I think infiltrate, generally speaking, uh, wants you to kind of wing out. You see it a lot with people running Imperial Royal Guard effectively and that the unit leader will move out and they will cohere a Royal Guard to its left and to its right at like the maximum cohesion range. Um, You can also deploy your units like that to increase the distance you're denying for infiltrate. 
Yep. Um, which which is really nice. And, and additionally, Recon Intel is also very good against Infiltrate just because you're moving forward and expanding your range three bubbles that they cannot deploy into. Um, so I, I think just being mindful and kind of like, don't give up heavy cover for it, but you know, if you want to take one guy in your squad and cohere him out to his maximum, you know, wing, uh, you can, you can deny an extra four inches on, you know, all around your deployment zones. If you're careful about it. Yeah, so one of like the concepts that's huge in 40k because 40k has so much deep deep strike, which is effectively what infiltrate is, is like hedging your deployment zone. In other words, like protecting your valuable units by deploying other units in front of them and pushing back the distance that your opponent can drop in. You know, in this case, pathfinders, because you know, other than the box grab trick, uh, pathfinders have a lot of other good tricks. One of them is like an alpha strike where you wait for your opponent to deploy something valuable and then you drop the pathfinders just outside of range three of that thing. You know, maybe depending on how your opponent deployed them, if they're in a super vulnerable spot, you recon intel them into range three to get that double white die shot. And then you uplink them on the first turn with the low pip card and you ice that, you know, whether it's a sniper unit or like a rebel troop unit out of cover or whatever, ice that unit and then run yeah. away behind Biston cover. says what's up. Um, Yep, Biston says what's mm-hmm. up. Works with <laughs> works with POW too, and you can do this at range four uh, with a decent dice pool against snipers. So um, I think if you're if you're doing this as a Pathfinder player and you have Leia, you know, you probably want the Pathfinders and Leia to be your last two drops, and then try and like do them at cross angles to your opponent's snipers so that your opponent's snipers are gonna be exposed either to the Pathfinders or to Leia. Um you know, and then you can play coordinated bombardment and up like the paths, and you've got two different angles to try and uh, pick off some early activations with. But you know, the counter to that is is to do that hedging. You know, be mindful of where you're where you're dropping your vulnerable units. Uh, if you've got IRG, put them near your snipers so they can guardian hits off of them. You know, keep them keep them in the back. Do what Mike was talking about with. Uh, just swinging your cohesion to like increase the safe zone, so to speak. The trouble that I see is that there's players at the elite level that are already doing this just because they're already feeling threatened by bombard. And so, I mean, paths just increase the pressure. And I think for those players that were already doing this trick, um, it's not a massive increase of the pressure, but except for maybe Bistan, but then again, you know, this isn't, this isn't something terribly novel if you're already playing at the elite level that people have already done. And um, if it's helpful for people to think of, you know, rapid reinforcements, which is something we're already familiar with, the later you drop your infiltrate, the less room you have to infiltrate forward, just because people will be will be looking out for this and they will be hedging, they will be spreading their deployments out, they'll be cohering. You know, I, I refer to it as kind of an, a, as an exploded cohesion where you have multiple units at different points of the radius around your uh, unit leader just to, you know, fan out and, you know, just try to create as large of a dead zone as possible. But yeah, if you're playing against Pathfinders, yeah, do that. Like, there's no no question. Just just think of it as rapid reinforcements, and you were probably already doing that to hedge against rapid reinforcements. Yeah. Um, 
the other half of that, and this is kind of like a technical thing, is that once we get into like winging units out and putting things at like max cohesion of the unit leader, it's really important to mark your squads because you're going to have a lot of like rebel trooper squads or stormtrooper squads that are like in the middle of each other and stuff and just like mark the bases or something. Yeah, I'm that guy. I was that guy for a long time where I would deliberately tie my cohesions together just to confuse people about what unit they were shooting. And it wasn't illegal, right? But it was a little bit underhanded just because I had, didn't have my squads fully painted. Now everything's clearly marked. And of course, you know, if you're confused, just ask. It's not hidden information. It's not, you can't withhold that information. I mean, like, I've people. had games where I've confused my myself. I'm like, oh man, I tangled these squads up together and I'm not really sure which is which anymore. <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> yeah, oops. <laughs> The first time that happened to me, it was such a feel bad. It's like, oh god, I hope I pulled the right minis. Yeah, <laughs> I think it was Han shooting my troopers, and I'm just like, ah, well. Nah. Yeah, make sure, oh, make sure you're, right. you're marking something on your different units. That's that's clear to both your and your your opponent. It's just super effective because more units would have will have cover this way than they otherwise would if you tangle the cohesions together. Yep. Um. So other uses of infiltrate on different objectives other than recover. Um, like on breakthrough, you can throw them on a flank and just kind of hang in there as a harassment unit until late game and then make a dive for the end zone. Yeah, they have dollars so, too, so they can get I think there. that they're mm -hmm. particularly interesting on breakthrough. Um, I think you should deploy them last on breakthrough in the event that your opponent made a mistake. Oh, yeah. Um. Yeah, because you can drop it, yeah, them right if, in if your deployment made a mistake zone. and you like are able to find a place in their deployment zone that's range three away from everything, um, one of two things is going to happen. Either they're going to ignore your Pathfinder unit and march forward, and you get a victory point while shooting them in the butt the whole time, or they have to turn their units around and deal with the Pathfinders. Um, and I, I I don't know if this is good, but like if. On breakthrough, generally, you need all of your move actions. Like you, you need to be moving every turn to get to the end zone for the most part. Um, and delaying them by one or two turns for like five or six units could be a really big deal. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I'm thinking. Sorry, go on. No, I mean these guys. Their job basically is to be a pain in the ass. So. Um, take that as literally as you want. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're going to shoot your opponent in the butt. Okay. Yeah, just just be mindful of hanging them out to dry. because um, as, as Rainer Wolfcastle would say, that is the joke. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's the joke. Uh, um, yes. Yeah, just be mindful of hanging them out to dry because like, you definitely want to, if you're not doing the box crab trick, you probably want to wait to deploy them last or close to last. Because if your opponent counter deploys, you know, a unit like Boba, he can For just sure. eat them. Um, so. And I think I think that trick's probably uh, best on either battle lines or long march. Um, yeah. Like like, For sure. Somewhere your opponent can't yeah, influence the board very it's, well. It's unlikely you're going to be able to deploy into their deployment zone, but if you can, it's going to be on one of those two. Advanced positions also. There's usually large gaps on the sides. Yeah, that's Usually. True. That's true. Um, advanced positions, I think, is also 
maybe the easiest one to break through on. Yeah. Generally. I mean, it, it depends on how comfortable you feel kind of putting your, your units and, and the long edge kind of, you know, above, I guess, if you're visualizing the board here above the elbow, I always view the corners like an elbow shaped deployment. So you're putting them above the elbow when you're on your opponent's side of you're on your opponent's short edge or heading towards your opponent's short edge to break through. And that's usually a pretty good spot to do it. Usually they don't deploy a lot of dudes there because you know if the if they're trying to hold middle, they're trying to hold the middle board to keep your the bulk of your army from advancing. There's also situations on both on major offensive and on advanced positions on breakthrough where you, you kind of just toilet bowl, like you you sort of spin your armies around each other trying to do both at the same time, both hinder your opponent's progress while doing the objective yourself. And those are some really fun and dynamic games. Toilet bowl, I love it. Yeah, they kind of toilet bowl. <laughs> you kind of do that thing. Uh, sort of. Um, it's also the next one we had a term two turn hell. <laughs> Because basically, there are some ships that couldn't do a U-turn, so they were in two-turn hell. And this is kind of similar. The toilet bowl. A anywho. Um, yeah, so we're coming down towards the end of our time. Uh, you want to talk briefly about high command list ideas? Um, you can, we can talk about you know the practical list building aspect of these new units, since we've talked a lot about them tactically and uh, upgrade-wise for quite a while. Like, where do they fit in the grand scheme of things? What what combinations are we looking to try for high command, maybe? So, um, personally, I'm looking at... So, my, my previous go-to list was basically Wonder Twins with five core, one of which is a fleet, uh, two snipers, and then Wookiees. You know, with the usual suspects as far as upgrades on all of those units. Um, yeah, improvised, etc. Yep, improvised on Leia. Esteem, Don Leia, Stims on Luke, Push on Luke, etc. Um, so the Wookiees are themselves 114 points when you give them the bowcaster and tenacity. Um, Pathfinders with POW, Uplink, uh, Duck and Cover, and their reconfigure are 114 points. So um, I'm looking at basically cutting Stims down to Recon, so that gets you six points. And then giving the Pathfinders recon, so that gives you uh, what is that? Two more points. So then you got a four-point bid. Um, previously, my list added up to exactly eight hundred. So if you cut stims and then add two recons, then you're at seven ninety-six. Um, that's kind of what I'm looking at, as least as as the list I'm going to practice with at the moment. Um, I want to see. I love my Wookies, but I, you know. Pathfinders do all kinds of fun things with your opponent's mind during deployment. So I want to just experiment with that a little bit. I think I got enough practice probably with the Wookiees that if I need to like pivot to that, you know, at the last minute, um, I shouldn't have problems doing that. So um, I'm going to be practicing probably with that, that Pathfinder list. Uh, I'm also going to play around with Flyboys a little bit just because I love Han. Uh, thematically speaking, and I'd love to get him into a list, and I also can't leave Luke behind, so I'm going to play around a little bit with, with Flyboys, but um, due to the lack of uh, No Time for Sorrows, I feel like your counter with that list is, um, you know, if you're trying to counter the box trick, uh, your, your counter is bidding, so <laughs> um, I'm, less, yeah. I'm less comfortable with that. Um, that does go just to sort of briefly revisit the box trick thing. 
um, if you're going to Adepticon, you need one of two things. Either, well, I guess you just need one thing. You need you need to to have a plan for how to deal with the box trick. Um, there are a lot of ways to do it. You know, recon intel snows, given your anger, Boba Fett, um, and you probably have those tools in your list already, or they're easy to fit in. But just make sure you do it. Yeah, I mean, because you don't want most of the, most of the high profile characters have a way to deal with it. Yep. Yeah, you just got to make sure that you're planning for it. Because that is definitely one of those things, like if you're, you know, if you're doing the box crab trick and your opponent hasn't built their list, you know, even things like throwing in a recon intel here or there uh, to counter it, you're going to run away with a free win probably. So um, you definitely don't want to be on the receiving end of that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's also notable that you know, we've talked about Luke being like a, a counter to um, the box grab generally, but you literally can do that with any melee unit. Um, or not You can do it with any speed two unit in the rebel list. Um, and it will probably work. It's just, you're not going to get an attack on the back end. Well, you need to, you know, part of what makes it work with Luke is push. So even if they go first, the pathfinders you can yank them back um but yeah in theory like if you have just a list with han and your opponent has pathfinders you can play sorry about the mess and just go melee the pathfinders with han <laughs> um if you wanted to do that you know then if they withdraw you're you're hanging out there with han and you know butt in the wind by himself but but they're yeah, not just... picking up the bus the box if they're withdrawing though Right, exactly. Yep. Yeah, they're not doing that. So, yeah, just, you know, have a plan for it, I think is the short answer. Um, yeah. But that, that we got briefly back down the rabbit hole from high command lists. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to, I'm looking at Wonder Twins with paths as well, the stuff on my, on my menu of things to try. Um, I'm also looking a little bit at Luke and Jin. I think it's kind of a neat combination. It may not be as good as Wonder Twins, which is my big fear, is that um, in a in a meta which is currently dominated by sniper rifles, um, voluntarily taking a list without bombard seems wrong. But then again, you know, um, Lucans did make it into the top cut, so they obviously found ways to deal with it. Um, so it's not. I don't think it's a complete hindrance to leave bombard at home. It just may not be the the most obvious choice. Um, I think Luke and Jin has huge potential. Um, the army is basically like freed from a lot of its suppression concerns by and large. Um, the trouble I think though is that when you when you want to take a tooled up Jin and a tooled up Luke, you start running out of points. Though you can still fit um, Luke Jin five Z six a fleet and two snipers into a list and still have a 14 point bid for box grabbing, which is kind of nice. Um, again, though you don't have any large, um, threats outside of Luke and Jin, and you know, my Jin game is not up to snuff. She's a new unit. I haven't really performed that much with her, so I don't know exactly what to, what to expect. Jeez, dude. A lot of the come games on. I have played. I know. Jeez. Come on. You got to get more games in, man. If you want to win that, win that, uh, world's invite. <laughs> But yeah, I'm looking at that. I'm also looking at, um, um, again, my friend Nima, who 
I play with on a pretty regular basis has some amazing ideas and I don't mean to steal his ideas constantly, but <laughs> he's got really, really good ideas. Um, uh, I take his list, which had Luke Han and Wookiees and then switch it out for Luke Jin and Pathfinders. And I think that might actually have some, some play. You have to go a little bit light on core units, but again, you know, it didn't really stop him. But of course, you know, Wookiees are not Pathfinders. Wookiees are you know very independent. They're very threatening in melee. They're very high damage. Pathfinders are a lot more subtle, and they're a lot more um, positional, rather than the Wookiees, which are all about you know just having a ton of wounds and just wrecking things solo. I think Bistan's gonna have something to say to you about being subtle. Yeah, that's week. true. He's not exactly he's not subtle. But that's the thing with Bistan is that you start to run out of points. Again, because Jin and Luke, you know, Jin's 130 base, and so if you only, you could take like one upgrade on Jin, and then Luke with force push and stims, then if you, you somehow need to have 100 points left over for a, a special forces unit, you know, again, your options are kind of limited in that department unless you start cutting Z6s, and that just feels terrible. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I'm I've had success with Z6s. I know some people are still on the fence. You know, like, do I want to rely on my white dice luck? And I think the answer is yeah. I mean. Attacking has always favored large pools in every dice game with eight-sided attack dice. So you always want large dice pools. There's no question in my mind. Black dice, best dice. Yeah, flamers, blast, especially when it's attached to blast. <laughs> no, the They're really, really, the really good. Armada geeks out there. Oh, yes, indeed. Oh, those black dice. Oh, yeah, hello. <laughs> um, don't get me started on, on Rake and Aces. And ten num and all that BS. <laughs> and anywho, so yeah, I'm either looking at I'm either looking at Luke Jin or Wonder Twins with Pads. I mean, those are my top two choices right now. Or I could just run what I ran in Vegas because it's still good. <laughs> like, there's nothing nothing has evolved to really take away from the normal list that people ran. The Wonder Twins with you know a six core, three snipers and an FD cannon, or five core and FD cannon. And I think some of those lists might actually be favored if they just run recon intel on Luke. Like, great, you've soft countered the big new tech, and you feel really good about it. Have either of you guys reconsidered the FD cannon after its performance at OVO? Yes. And? It's pretty good, and I like it. I'm still afraid that I will get screwed up on turn one, and especially if I'm running a top-heavy list like Luke and Jin. I did try Luke Jin FD Cannon 5Z6 2 Sniper, and that's actually pretty good too. Nice to have that impact backstop. Uh, you do get to kill ATSCs when you have the FD Cannon in the mix. It's not a hard thing. Luke just has to get in there at the right time. Um, but yeah, that's the thing. So one note on the FD Cannon, um, LVO had the barricade placement rule, which players that I spoke to that you know used the FD uh did say that that was a factor in their confidence in bringing it. Um, the LCQ, the last chance qualifier at Adepticon, will have the barricade rule. Uh, the high command will not. So um, you will not get to uh, you know make sure there's a barricade in a good deployment zone spot <laughs> before you throw your FD. Okay, let down. me let me let me just let me just say this. Um, no one to my knowledge, consciously was using the barricade rule to get an, to get an advantage. Okay. Like, let's just put that on the table now. Uh, 
before we before we go off. Well, I'm that. not I'm not saying that, but I you know the definitely people that brought FDs have said that uh, they were more confident bringing FDs because they knew they could put barricades down. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, I, that's, I mean, I think that's, yeah, that's, that's a fair thing to say. That's completely fair. I mean, if you know you can put a barricade in what is likely to be your deployment yep. zone, yeah, FTs get a whole that said, that said, the point of the barricade rule was to make the board yep. more fair, not to make the board vulnerable for your side. This is why I don't like the barricade rule. Yeah, me too. I think the barricade rule is an artifact of a time when it was necessary because there wasn't enough terrain and people didn't know how to terrain this game properly. Well, and that's part of why um, you know it's going to be there for LCQ, but not high command is because there's there's going to be half as many tables and all that terrain still there for high command so they're you know the tos and judges will be able to put down more scatter terrain than uh you know they might have been able to previously so all right so we're closing in on an hour and 15 so i think yep. we should probably wrap up just to keep the episode under an hour and a half <laughs> so any last thoughts any last brief brief thoughts about uh, high command lcqs the Jin Luke Pathfinders, whatever. Uh, should be a good time. Um, I believe Jay may have an announcement later in the oh, week. Oh yes. How could I forget? Right. Yes. Yeah. There will be some fun things big, coming down the big road. News, big news, I think. Big Huge. news. Um, so make sure you turn into the fifth trooper for that. Um, because it's please it's, to me. It's a big deal. That. Um. That's all I got to say. You should be listening to Fifth Trooper anyway, because they're awesome, and just listen to them. So yeah, uh, fifthtrooper.com, right? Did I get that right? Yep. I think I did. All right, so with that, we're going to close out the show, and we'll be back next week. We're going to talk more about LVO, I hope. We've also got the rules updates about overhang, and uh, will it save the airspeeder? Who knows? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> surprise surprise Shh, spoilers it's not. okay <laughs> all right well with that um signing off here i'm david i'm kyle i'm mike we'll see you next time ciao join us next time for another edition of the notorious scoundrels podcast this has been a Fifth Trooper production.